Hello, Syngap land. My name is Michael Gralia, and this is episode 129 of Syngap 10, your 10-minute weekly briefing on everything you need to know about Syngap 1. Today is Friday, January 5th, and that's a super important day because it is Tony's 10th birthday. Happy birthday, Tony. Tony was diagnosed with Syngap 1 six years ago by Ellie Brimble and the team at Stanford. Later that year, Ashley and I started Syngap Research Fund, and you guys started hearing about it about five years ago. We've been at this for five years years and every time Tony has a birthday I think about that and today is just a it's a tough day I'm going to come back to Tony at the end and tell you about what's going on with him but it's it's not great um but let me let me focus on business I, I left you guys before the break with a big list of to-dos I hope you signed up for those studies if you didn't I will remind you about signing up for those studies at the end of this podcast but let me give you some great news first big congratulations to Longboard Pharma Longboard Pharma this week announced some great top line results on their phase two trial. If you've been listening to Syngap 10 back in August of 22 in episode 71, and I think 65 and 67 before that, I talked a lot about longboards. So if you've been listening back then and you qualified for their study, which would have been four countable motor seizures, you would have been able to sign up for that study. And if you had signed up for that study, and who knows, maybe some of you did, um, you would be a part of this incredible data I'm gonna share with you. So they took this um, 5-HTC drug, which they've christened Bexicacerin, and they achieved a 54% seizure reduction in motor seizures compared to 20% in the placebo group. So, you know, I won't lecture you on what placebos are, but the placebo group saw a reduction, which is why we have a placebo group, right? Parents are giving their kid a new drug. They're staring at their kid. They're hoping things worked. That, that, that led to a 20% reduction in counting. But the people who actually got the real drug, they got a, saw a 53% reduction. So that tells us this drug worked. The reduction in Dravet syndrome kids was 72%, in LGS kids was 48%, and other DEE, which is where we would sit, it was 61%. That's pretty impressive. There were favorable safety and tolerability results, which just means side effects weren't so bad, and, and Longboard is moving forward with their um, phase three. Rapidly, they say. Honestly, a global phase three is going to rapidly probably means it's going to be in a year. But mark your calendars, guys, because I'm going to be telling you about it. And, and this is this is a study worth participating in. They have an open label extension at the end of this study, which means people who are on drug, if they want to stay on drug, can stay on drug. And if they were, on, you know, it's open label, so you're not staying on placebo. And 100% of people stayed on for open label, which means they all thought it was doing something good. Truly exceptional work, Longboard. Very excited to see it. Look forward to um, seeing your continued success. Glad you opened this up to all DEEs like Syngap 1, and I hope some Syngap patients benefit from that vision in, in your Phase 3 trial if they didn't in the Phase 2. That's number one. Number two, I want to um, tell you guys I had lunch today with a with an industry partner. Wonderful, wonderful guy. Good meeting. Um and, he, and he, he was, we were talking about the conference and he, and he was very complimentary of the conference and he, and he thought it was good. And I just want to take a victory lap here. Good job to the team. Good job to everybody, Ashley and, and Ed and Callie and, and Summer and Lauren and everybody else who worked so hard on this conference. Um, we're, I'm still getting great feedback. So we, we talked about the conference and he had, two, he had two pieces of feedback for me. One was we need more dialogue and Q&A and panels on the science day. I, I take that. That's a good point. Uh, similarly, we need to have more conversation about translation. Translation means going from the science, which we did in the morning, to the clinical, which is, you know, which we did in the afternoon, from the bench to the bedside. And, we, you know, we get a win there just putting those people in the same room for the same day. But but thinking about 
how to do that more better, it was good feedback. The other thing he said to me, he said, you know, he really liked the way uh, on the family day, I said to families, I said, guys, you have got to get your head wrapped around. Right now, we're all like, oh, these drugs are coming and wait, wait, wait. But soon, we're gonna, you're going to have a meeting where you're going to be being recruited into an ASO trial, an AAV trial, another ASO trial. And you're going to be like, whoa, like, it's going to get real. And he said, that, that was a really good point. And I agree with you because this guy's experienced. He's seen other diseases go through this. And he said, maybe you should do some role play next year. Maybe you should get up there and you know, show these people what that conversation will be like so they can imagine themselves having that meeting in, in, in a few years. And, and I was like, that's a really good idea. And, and of course, you know how I am. I took it like five steps further. I was like, wow, we should just do a play, like a full-on play of like that conversation 10 different ways, right? Anyway, if you if you if, if that caught your attention and you're theatrically minded, let me know because I think I think there's a lot of potential here. So that was good. Not too early to pre-register for Syngap Conference 2024. Two, you know, two years ago we did Nashville last year, Orlando this year in December, early December. It's going to be LA. LA in December is amazing. Please join us. I can't wait. Pre-register links in the show notes. Let's talk about publications. If you go to pubmed.gov and type in Syngap1 or type in anything really, you're going to see a cool little chart on the left side there of all the publications on that topic over time. The Syngap chart looks like this, whoop, which is exactly what you want it to look like. And uh, in 2023, there were 44 publications that mentioned Syngap1. That's more than any year before. Pretty exciting stuff. And, and I look at that just to see as a, as a proxy for progress, right? Because the trouble with this work is you work, 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 years, 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 and we don't have a drug yet. So have we, have we gotten anywhere? Well, obviously we're getting somewhere, but it's nice to see something going up and to the right, you know? And, and, and so that's why I look at PubMed. And when I was checking the PubMed number, I noticed this week there's already a publication in 2024, which makes sense because if we got 44 last year, 52 this year isn't aspirational. It should, it sort of makes sense. And that will be one a week. So here we are in week one. And what was this paper about? It was about CBD. It was a case study from Spain. Really hard to get CBD if you don't have LGS or Dravet. Many of our patients who get CBD, which is also known as Epidiolex, um, get it because either a clinician was very persuasive with insurance or uh, the patient has an LGS diagnosis. And, and this is a it's just a story about a, a patient who got CBD, it helped her seizures a lot, and she was also on Clobazep. I, I think all these case studies are valuable because a lot of doctors out there are struggling to take care of our kids. Our kids are complicated. So hopefully this case study is an inspiration to, to another doctor somewhere and another, another child with Syngap gets helped. Another family is relieved of some of the, the challenge of raising these kids. But I'll tell you the thing that the, the reason this really hit me this week is similarly, I was talking to uh, a, a, another mom who called me. She said, I'm, I'm mad. I said, why are you mad? She said, I, our doctor, our doctor's making me crazy. I said, oh, I love these stories. Tell me about your doctor making you crazy. Said, First of all, we asked him for Clobazem. Kids on Epidiolex, Epidiolex, seizures are getting worse. We asked, you know, Epidiolex is helping, but the seizures are getting worse, which happens. I asked him for Clobazem. Why'd you ask him for Clobazem? Everyone in our community talks about how Epidiolex and Clobazem work well together. Guess what? It's true. They potentiate each other. This is in the literature. They go to the same receptors, which in English means they, they park in the same parking spots in the brain, Right. And so when you get two cars fighting for a parking spot, they both spend longer in the parking lot. When you get two drugs in the brain acting on the same receptors, they last longer and they, um, they don't get used up as fast. So I said, asked the doctor for Clobazem. Doctor said, no. I said, well, that's frustrating. But you know, doctors are doctors, doctors. Aren't you going to go see that specialist I told you about? She said, yeah. I said, great. Ask the specialist for Clobazem. I'd be amazed if he doesn't write it. Guess what? Specialist wrote Clobazem. Okay, wonderful. 
But then guess what happened? Her doctor, original doctor, who she's been with, retracts, takes back his referral to the CHOP Natural History Study. So the way the way the CHOP Natural History Study is, you email them, you say, I want to take part. They say, please have your neurologist write a referral. Most neurologists, no-brainer, write a referral, including this guy, wrote a referral, very nice guy. But then he got grumpy. Maybe it was because of the Clobazam, maybe not, who knows? And he said, you know what? I looked at their the, I looked at the natural history study and everything that they're going to do, you can do here at our hospital, so you don't need to do it. So I retracted my referral. A, jerk move. B, you're wrong, right? It is not, it is not comparable. It is not comparable. And I want to put this on the record in case, in case anyone has a chance to forward this, this podcast to this guy because any other doctor says something half as dumb, right? So why is the CHOP natural history study not the same as doing the same things at your local hospital? Well, number one, the CHOP natural history study has a QEEG, not the 26 electrodes that get glued to your head, but the 120 something electrodes that sit in a hairnet, no glue, for 30 minutes and collect a ton of data. These are very expensive toys, people. Your average hospital doesn't have a QEEG. So number one, doctor, you're wrong. A QEG and what you're doing clinically are different. Number two, you've seen exactly one SYNGAP patient. And from what I can tell, you're not up on the list. Instead of going to your hospital five times to get a procedure from five different people who have seen one or zero SYNGAPians, this, this mom has a chance to see five experts, deaf peds, neuro, ST, OT, genetic counselor, in one day, Five people who've each seen 50 Syngapians in one day, as opposed to five different people who've seen none over a bunch of days with a bunch of hassle. If you actually cared about the patient burden, that would obviously be, be attractive to you. But let's not underestimate the expertise, right? Whereas most people meeting a Syngapian for the first time, the Syngapian is teaching them about Syngap. When you're seeing an expert who's seen 50, you're actually learning something. You're getting feedback and advice about how best to take care of your kid, given that we know the genetic etiology of their disease. But number three, and the reason it's not comparable, and honestly, I shouldn't have to explain this to you, doctor. This is an IRB-approved prospective natural history study that represents a massive investment by donors and the families in time, energy, and cold, hard cash right? This is data that is getting gathered into an IRB-approved repository that will be used to create peer-reviewed publications that will do what? That will inform regulators who are reviewing drugs and will inform clinical care by hundreds of doctors around the world, if not thousands. How on earth can you pretend that that is not inherently valuable? So for, just for this doctor who retracted their referral, I, I just think it's... I do not have polite language. I don't think it's ethical. I don't think it's smart. I don't think it's justified. And I'm being very well behaved right now. I don't even understand why. But somebody please forward this video to this doctor and tell him to grow up. All right, moving on. Year in review. That was a little mean, but not really. Year in review. Um, we put out our year in review. We've put this out for the past two years. Normally I get to it on December 31st, but this, you know, this year has been rough. So I'm getting to it now. The year in review lists all the numbers of all the things we've done. The top line is that we've committed $5 million to 44 different grants at 31 different institutions. That is remarkable. Those grants range from $10,000 to half a million dollars, but we've put out some incredible grants and, it, you know, buckle up. It's, the benefits are going to keep coming. 
There's a bunch of other numbers in this. I really encourage you to read it. But, you know, we've counted 1,339 patients. That's the new census number, 1,339 patients. Amazing. And thank you to all our collaborators around the world, Danny in Australia, Verena in Germany, everybody else, everywhere else. It's amazing. And Jess for doing all the hard work. Citizen, Warriors, sign up for Warriors. I'm not going to read this whole thing, but I do want to point out, this year we started two new podcasts. So you have this, Singap 10. You have Ashley Fry doing Singap Stories in English. And you have Merlina doing Cafe Singap Uno in Espanol. Pretty amazing, right? We are reaching out to lots of patients. We 84 webinars on our website. I want to, and I'll stop reading you numbers. The 84 webinars is really cool because um, I was with this industry partner today and we we're talking about something and I said, hey, you know, Andy Stanfield talked about that in his webinar. You should look up the clinical blah, blah, blah. blah. And he said, oh, yeah, I didn't know about that. I said, yeah, look, I'll send you the link. And I sent him a link. And guess what? He gets to go home and listen to Andy Stanfield give us a lecture on his brilliant paper. I think it was um, like in the past three webinars. So these webinars are incredibly valuable and great tools. And if you're recently diagnosed family, just go through them and watch them. You can learn so very much. I love it. I love it. So it's been a good year. It's been a good, it's been a good first week, right? We got this great publication out. We getting we getting people referred to CHOP. And you know, this mama didn't get in because you were tracked. She's just gonna go to the specialist. She's gonna get into the CHOP natural history study. I mean, progress has no patience, right? We we got we gotta move on. But um, it's been good. It's been good. But let me tell you about Tony. Let me tell you about my beautiful little boy who turns 10 tomorrow. It's been a terrible year. It's been a terrible year. A year ago right now, we're in Palo Alto. He was at a school. He knew people were taking good care of him. Life was great. He wasn't having behaviors. He wasn't having issues. He wasn't having any... It was Life was good. But, you know, Ashley, got a, Ashley switched jobs, and she, we basically moved from what's essentially the bottom of the Bay Area to the top of the Bay Area, which, which, you know, as the crow flies, isn't that many miles, but in traffic, it's like an hour and a half plus two hours. No way she could do that commute. So we we moved and we moved to what we thought was, was one of the better school districts up here in the North Bay. And boy, were we wrong when it comes to special ed. So as as you know, from listening to um, this podcast earlier in the year, the first day of school, they, they screwed up the first day of school. He got there. We had done all this prep. We talked to them over the summer. He walked into a room. He had an aide. He had a special ed teacher. Everything's great. And he, and he did so well in those first three hours that they just called off the aide and let him run onto a playground in a school he'd never been to with kids he'd never met, full of stimulation and food that he's not allowed to eat. And, and things spiraled. And they escalated him. And then they pulled him into a room and then they came down on him. And, and, and in, my beha- in my opinion, they behaved in a way that was inappropriate and, and ill-informed and unprofessional. And guess what? He ended up face down in a hot conference room in an arm lock on the third hour of his first day at school. And then we had all these meetings and behaviorists and we got more aids and all this nonsense. And, and for, for a few weeks, things were going better. But then slowly things started not working and and um you know the school blames tony which is what anyone does when they're when they're covering up and i blame the school i think they had staff who either not either i think some of the staff who had real responsibility here just didn't care and weren't interested in figuring it out i think the school outsourced tony's education to abas which is not their job and and i think it was just a hot mess and as things got worse at the end of the year, Tony, you know, who is highly empathic and very smart, he understands when he's with some people who don't like him. And um, behaviors 
behaviors came in and the school did not de-escalate. The school did not handle it professionally. The school... I'm going to get mad. I don't want to get mad. Anyway. In the second week of November, Tony got suspended, came back to school. Got suspended again. And we said, guys, what's going on? Why why are things so bad? Why, Why is this kid who had years of no behavior suddenly having all of these challenges in your care. What's going on? And they're like, oh, it's him. And so that was mid-November. Tony hasn't been in school since mid-November. We have been, um, we've been having aides come to the house. And, you know, they're again, they're ABAs. Love ABAs, but they're not educators, right? Tony's not getting educated. He's bored out of his mind. Last week, we, we took a walk around campus. We took a walk and we walked by campus because it's nearby. And guess what? Tony like walked up to his old classroom door and other doors and tried to get in. He said, I want to go to school. I miss school. Most heartbreaking days of my life. Just seeing my little boy basically begging to go to a school that doesn't care enough to figure out how to take care of him. I'm just so upset and so frustrated because you know what? There aren't that many special needs schools around here. And surprise, surprise, they're oversubscribed. So right now we're stuck between a rock and a hard place. The school that has a legal obligation to take care of him has dropped the ball and doesn't care enough to try harder. They just want to blame him. The special needs schools that may be able to serve him better are full. And the family that loves him is is stuck trying to figure out how to educate him at home. Free and appropriate education. That's That's the law, people. No one seems to care. So it's been a rough month and a half. It's going to be a rough next six to nine months, frankly, as we work like crazy to find a school that isn't an hour and a half away where Tony can go and be a kid. He's a child. He's 10. He deserves, a, he deserves an education. I'm just so upset and, and angry on behalf of my son. And I'm sharing this with you guys because guess what? Hey, eat, sleep, cure, sing, get one. Guess what? We all go through it, right? I've shared this story with, with, with a number of parents and they've just told me that, yep, that happened to us. It's horrible. Blah, 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 blah. It shouldn't be this hard, you guys. I mean, we tell the schools up front. He's got sing up. They're like, oh, that's interesting. Like, no, you've got to really bring your A players. You've got to care. You've got to engage. You've got to build a relationship. You've got to read the signs. Look for the first snowflake, as Jackie Cancer likes to say. They don't do it till it's too late. And then suddenly it's the kid's fault. BS. He's 10. He's sick. Figure it out. Try harder. I have no sympathy. But guess what? They don't get to, they get to go and have an easier day at school because it's one less special needs kid for them to deal with. Who suffers? The kid suffers, the family suffers. It just makes me it makes my blood boil. So Tony's suffering. So tomorrow is Tony's 10th birthday. He'll be at home where he's been for 6 weeks and might be for another 6 months. And um wish us luck, my friends. And for those of you who are like, "Mike, why aren't you more active?" That's why I'm not more active. I'm taking care of my boy. It's getting really hard over here, guys. Um, so on that happy note, happy new year. And like I said, in the last podcast, there's some studies. Remember, we got to, we got to deal with Syngap one. The way we deal with Syngap one is we sign up for studies today and we sign up for trials tomorrow. We have got to push the progress forward and we've got to reinforce the message that is well established in industry and academia right now, which is the Syngap research fund and our families show up and get the work done. So let me tell you what the work that's got to get done, my friends. There's an English-speaking survey. Every 
English-speaking person on earth. I'm looking at you, Australia, and UK, and Singapore, and India, and US, and Canada, and everyone else who speaks English. Take the Rochester survey. I cannot emphasize enough. It's a very important survey. It's going to take you 15 minutes. You haven't done it before. It's, it was new a month ago, right? So click that link, first link in the show notes, under studies, um, redcap.link, NDD caregiver survey. Take it. It's 15 minutes. Please get it done. Number two, if you have a child 17 or older, Dr. Andrade is doing SRF funded, is doing an adult study. Take the study. Very important. Um, if you have a child 17 or over, you would be bonkers not to do this, right? Because this is getting a, a better understanding in the literature of adult Syngapians. This is a very important study. I'm on bended knee here. Please do it. Language, not an issue. They're, they're willing to translate. Dr. Andrade is Brazilian. She speaks Portuguese. There's an, there's an Amsterdam location. They'll meet you where you are on language. Please sign up for this. Um, Tom Frazier, again, SRF funded, is expanding the work he did with the eye tracking thing. Basically, you don't have to leave home. He said You just have to dial in every three months and do a quick thing online. Super easy, very important, could result in the validated scale for Syngap. I will talk about this again. I will keep talking about this till we all sign up. khubba at jcu.edu. Send her an email, right? So you got to take the caregiver survey and you got to email khubba at jcu.edu. Everybody who's understanding what I'm saying can do those two things and should. If you have a child 17 or older, do the adult study, long email in the show notes. Of course, sign up for Citizen, email CHOP. I didn't talk about this in this podcast, but we're halfway through on CHOP, you guys. Right, so the way CHOP's going to work is they're going to they're going to enroll a hundred patients. This is the latest. I mean, these things change, but right now they're going to enroll a hundred patients. They've enrolled fifty, so we got about six more months to get another fifty in there. Once they have a hundred patients, I don't know if they're going to see new patients. I think they're going to start seeing the hundred again. Right, got a nice rich cohort of a hundred. Check in on them a year. Check in on them a year. Two years of data, hundred patients. That would be a pretty killer study. That's their goal right now right? So if you haven't been seen by CHOP, see previous lecture about how amazing CHOP is, E-N-D-D at CHOP, C-H-O-P dot E-D-U. Email them. Get on that study. You're going to have to get a referral from your doctor. Hopefully your doctor's smart enough to refer you. And then if you're anywhere near Texas, there's a QEEG study we're doing there too. Anyway, thanks for listening. This was a long one. Happy birthday, Tony. And happy new year to everybody. And let's make 2024 a year where we continue to accelerate all this progress so our kids can suffer less. They can go to school more. Our families can suffer less. Our siblings can suffer less. And all the Syngapians who are yet to be diagnosed get told, hey, good news. All the families who came before you did as much as they could. And as a result, here's a clinical trial for you to join. That's what we're working towards, guys. We want clinical trials. We want novel therapies. And then we want marketed drugs to cure this disease. Happy New Year.